You are listening to the Conquering Evers podcast. This is episode 47. Welcome to the Conquering Evers podcast. My name is Brian Talore, and let me just start off by saying thank you. Thank you so much for choosing to spend a bit of your day here with me. I appreciate it. I know our guests on the show appreciate it. And I tell you what, if you have not already, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button. I guess it all depends on where you're listening to the show. But go ahead and make sure you hit subscribe or follow. That way you never, never miss an episode once it gets uploaded to the interwebs. And I tell you what, if you could do me one more favor. Just one more favor. After you're done listening to this episode, if you don't mind, go ahead and share it out. Share it out on your social media. Let your friends and family know that Conquering Everest is here. Let them know that we're, you know, we're all about providing hope to the hopeless and a voice to the voiceless. You're not alone. No matter what your struggle is in life, you are not alone. And if you need some help, if you need some advice, uh, I want to encourage you to check out my website, which is www.conqueringeverest.com. There you can set up a free 60-minute phone call with me. Uh, I guess it would be more of a Zoom call with me. Uh, but, you know, if you just if you just want to see what is available out there as far as coaching or mentoring, go ahead, check out my site, sign up for a 60-minute consultation, and I'll be more than happy to help you absolutely, absolutely free of charge. And I guarantee you a, a, a breakthrough, a breakthrough can happen in a moment. So, hey, what do you have to lose except for an hour of your time? And I promise, I promise I will give you 100% of me. Now, on today's episode, I speak with inspirational speaker and author Susan Johnson. She is the author of Some Dreams Are Worth Keeping, a memoir of her bipolar journey. She is also uh, she has also been a TEDx speaker and has given her talk titled, Having a Mental Illness is Not a Death Sentence. So without further ado, here was my conversation with Susan Johnson. Susan Johnson, welcome to the Conquering Evers podcast. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you're here and, and I'm uh, anxious to jump into your story because I can relate on some levels to what you've been through. Uh, but before we do that, why don't we take a moment and just have you introduce yourself to our audience? Okay, I am Susan Johnson, author of Some Dreams Are Worth Keeping, a memoir of my bipolar journey. And I also have a day job. I work um, with special needs needs kids um, in an elementary school here in Las Vegas. Very cool. Las Vegas. So yeah, it definitely is morning. You're a couple hours behind me. So it's, it's a little earlier for you, but it is just waking <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, let's so bipolar when let's, let's kind of go back in time a little bit and let's talk about when um, this kind of started for you. I would say it started in high school. I experienced a depression back, I'd say junior year in high school. And it was, I am, I love the beach and I love summer at the time I was in high school and there was a summer and here I'm at the beach and it, I was so depressed. I couldn't even enjoy the beach with my friends and I was sleeping a lot and I just was not my perky self. 
And then I had a thought that I'd never had before. I thought about death. And I told my parents and immediately they brought me into my first psychologist and I agreed uh, to therapy. And at that point I began therapy and was able to work through the depression. At that point I graduated high school and experienced mania for the first time on a cruise that I went on with a friend. If you don't know what mania is, it is the highest feeling you could ever have. I'm do I was doing all these uncharacteristic things. I was dancing on the tables and that's not like me drinking margaritas, um, eating escargot. Okay. I do not like uh, that at all. I would have never tried that if I wasn't. I'm going down the water slide in 50 degree water. You know, people are saying, oh my gosh, she's on drugs. But I had never tried a drug in my entire life. The um, so with with me. So when that happened to you, did you did you realize that something was going on or was it just it just felt like part of who you were? Yeah, I just thought, hey, I'm just having fun. You know, I I didn't really recognize what was going on, but my parents knew exactly what was happening after the cruise because my mom's a nurse and bipolar disorder runs in our family. My uncle has bipolar disorder and my grandmother suffered major depressions and breakdowns. So we were very, I was very lucky to have that already diagnosis within the family. So we were able to treat it at a very young age, which has been a blessing. And so as, as so you're back from the cruise, your mom's knowing what's going on. It's in, and I'm assuming she's at this point, it's like, well, we've got to get you more help. Um, what was, what was life like from that point? So um, luckily I had both of my parents kind of as a team, thankfully, mm -hmm. but there was no, you know, there was nothing wrong with me. So why didn't I need help? <clears throat> Plus I had a phobia of hospitals. So that even made it harder, but my mother was working uh, with doctors at the time. So she was able to find a doctor who agreed to treat me from his office. And so I agreed to go and I agreed to go on lithium. They, they talked me into it. And lithium will bring you down, right? Is that just yeah. trying? So yeah. with, with bipolar, usually you experience a really high, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm going off of I'm what I know. <laughs> but you, you'll experience really high highs, but then you'll experience really low lows, even to the point of suicidal ideations. Yes. When did, 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 so you've experienced the mania on the cruise. Did you have that other side, that depressive, like severe, uh, I don't even know what the, I guess just a severe depression. Did, did you experience that then? Not till later in my oh. life, not at that particular moment, probably because they were able to catch it mm -hmm. you know, and treat it at that point and kind of stable you out or stable me out. And so you're on lithium and that's kind of helping stabilize your mood. Um, mm -hmm. Did that, did that help for yes. a period of time or? Oh yes, it really did. <laughs> it brought me back um, to just stability and um, it was really hard. I know for my parents <clears throat> because there's so many side effects, you know, I was 18 at the time. So I remember like coughing and my dad just coming and just racing into my bedroom just to make on. sure everything was okay because you know it's terrifying there's a lot of side effects 
to, right. to the drugs for bipolar disorder. And so once, so now you're on the medicine and, and um, what what's kind of going on for you now? Were you just living life and well, doing the normal things or? I was living life and I wanted to go to college to be a teacher, but my father got a dream job in Iowa where he grew up. So without any choice, I traded my flip flops for snow boots and moved to Des Moines, Iowa to go to college in the middle of a blizzard. <laughs> and what was uh, college life with bipolar for you? <laughs> a roller coaster. Yeah. It was a disaster, pretty much. Mm. Um, <clears throat> constant highs, constant lows, <clears throat> trying to find the right medication. Right. Stress sets bipolar disorder off. Um, luckily, I had a wonderful godsend psychologist who I talk about a lot in the book. I call her Dr. Ziggy. And uh, she gets a kick out of that. And she really helped me through those dark, dark times. I believe very much in therapy. And I was also taking a lot of medication. And it was just really hard to monitor that. And to just have, a, you know, I wanted to be a normal college student. And I, I didn't really get that experience. I went to five colleges in four and a half years. Okay. So, yeah. So definitely some some back and forth uh, with your with your moods and all that uh did so and i was going to ask it was going to be my next question is if you were able to have a somewhat normal life but it doesn't I sound think, like well i think by the end i did i moved back home i went to drake university and i met some friends that had similar interests and hang out with and i think i finally did get it um, and i ended up graduating with a ba in sociology just a few years ago in 1999 haha -ha. yeah <laughs> Yeah, just a few years ago. Um, the how was your friendships and your relationships uh, with with bipolar? Did it? I I ask because I think so. I am a depression sufferer. Mm -hmm. I call a survivor, um, and there there is still even today, and here we are in two thousand twenty one. I think there's still a bit of a stigma around mental health and definitely in the 90s uh, and 80s i think there was a, a big stigma around it and that was one of the reasons i denied that i was depressed as as a teen and young adult uh, which snowballed on me later in life but were you able to have regular relationships or was it something that you kind of had to come forward and say Hey, I'm, you know, I have mental health issues, bear with me type thing. I think I was very blessed. I had a boyfriend at the time and he really stood by me. He didn't know how to support me, but he was just there for me. And I just remember crying, you know, with him a lot. But I also remember his parents. I told his parents that I had bipolar. We were getting very serious at the time and they did not say a word. So mm. I did not have any support from them. It was like, I didn't even say anything yeah. and it just, it didn't feel right. And um, I'm very grateful for him at the time because he helped me graduate. But after graduation, I broke up with him. And so what was, what was next for you in life after, after graduation? I worked in an elementary school as a one-on-one -on -one, um, teacher's assistant, um, but I had a one-on-one -on -one girl in a wheelchair who had cerebral palsy. 
and she was incredible, always happy. But personally, I was very depressed. My few friends that I did have from college all disappeared. And I just, I was so alone. And I'll never forget you know, those low times and I needed a change. So I had an opportunity to move to Virginia and live with my aunt. And I got a job working as a kindergarten assistant, which was complete chaos. But <laughs> I got a chance uh, to, you know, do things my way, so to speak. Okay. That was, um, that was my way was kind of denying bipolar, um, not having the right doctor and hitting rock bottom at the time. What was rock bottom for you? Um, rock bottom was not being medicated properly, toxic relationship, getting fired from jobs, um, just <clears throat> experiencing a lot of what's called mixed mania. So mixed mania <clears throat> is able to go from high, <clears throat> kind of laughing in one minute to crying in the next. Okay. So, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's not a good place to be. No, it doesn't doesn't sound like it at, at all. <laughs> um, yeah. I I can only imagine it, it's got to take a toll. Obviously, it takes a toll mentally, but even physically, kind of going through those those waves, those ebbs and flows, were probably draining. I was on. I I told the doctor the first doctor I told him I had bipolar, but he did not have a good relationship with me. And he kind of blew me off when I needed, I was just on antidepressants at the time. And I kind of blame him a little bit for not being a better doctor and not returning my calls. So at that point I found a different psychiatrist, but I told him it was only anxiety. Okay. And he put me on a lot of anti-anxiety medication. So I went from 150 pounds to 110 pounds, mm. not being able to eat because of the side effects of the medication. What, do you, what was your reason for, you know, kind of only revealing part of, was it the stigma or was it you just still were in denial that this was something you were? You know, I had accepted it, but who wants to have bipolar? Right. right. Let's just deal with anxiety, right? And I think, my, you know, my mindset wasn't there. I was a mess. I was yeah. a hot mess. Um, and I didn't have mom to come in with me. She did a lot of advocating um, back in Iowa. Okay. And so I was I was on my own. Yeah. So you it was up to you now to to treat you know be be your own advocate and and yeah. go to bat for yourself and that's that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It is and it is, is mental health is it's a very tough place to be. It, it it's so strange because rationally at least for me when I, when I went through um, my darkest periods of life rationally i felt like i knew what i should be doing but then that irrational side of the brain seemed to speak a little bit louder and it was like no deny this this is your this is your in your imagination and things like that um it was kind of the jekyll and hyde and i would imagine you definitely with bipolar where you have those ups and downs you maybe you felt that way to where you know, you didn't know which version of Susan you were going to get from day to day. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also had a psychologist, but I wasn't, he was a man. And honestly, I prefer a woman, not trying okay. to be sexist. And I think it's right. important to get the proper uh, match. It's kind of like dating and trying mm -hmm. to find that proper match. And he 
he was telling me everything. Uh, he was telling me the truth about my my state, but I really wasn't buying what he was selling. So that did not help at all. But so things did, got better. Okay, that's what I was going to ask is if you found the right doctor, it, it, and that yeah. is important. It is like dating. You've got to find the one that jives with you. Um, so what was what was... So mom and dad knew, I've always been very close to my parents, and they knew that I was a mess. They knew that I was struggling and that they needed to help me. So my mom came uh, one weekend and said, that's it. You know, we're, we're moving you to Las Vegas where they had recently retired. And I, I, I agreed that it was time to go. So I ended the toxic relationship with the boyfriend that I, that I was living with and uh, got on an airplane, very sick with my parents and moved to Las Vegas. And after moving to Las Vegas, we have, I found the best psychiatrist I've ever had in my life. And uh, after about six months, we, I got on the right, uh, we called drug cocktail and I was able to, to begin again. Yeah. And so that was that, would you say that was like your comeback to where, um, you know, the book came from and the, in in the Ted talks and all that, that was kind of your, your transitional period where you, um, it sounds like maybe you accepted, you accepted what you had and you said, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to go into this and, and then I'm going to use this for good. I Um, did that, but it took several years to do that. Um, I found the man of my dreams here in Las Vegas of all places. We were married in a church, not on the strip. And after we were married in 2005, um, I just had a feeling that I needed to write my story. But I didn't have, I have no idea how to write. I'm not a writer. I was over writing things in college because it was, it was so hard in college to write. Yeah. Some friends, some of the Yeah. Some of the best writers say they're not writers. So yeah. people are like, <laughs> I do a lot of you know interviews and people are like, Oh, did you grow up being you know, wanting to be a writer? No. Yeah. <laughs> did not grow up wanting to be a writer. So at that point I found a how to write a memoir workshop and okay. I bought a book and I'm all gun hug, yeah, let's do this. And then I got to the writing part. And have you, are you a writer or have you spent any time writing? Uh, yeah. So I, I would say much like you, I, I am not a writer, but I, I have written and um, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy yeah. to sit down and, and write. And it's very painful. A lot of pain and flashbacks came back and my yeah. doctor's like, you, you can't keep doing this. You're getting sick. Um, so I would take time off and, but I knew I had to finish it. Mm-hmm. And it took six years. I calculate and the entire thing uh, is handwritten or was handwritten at the time and mm. when I was finished you know I didn't want anybody to read it really and then I thought hey, you know maybe maybe I could pull it off and I had also taken a memoir workshop or memoir class and met a wonderful mentor in his 80s and he just encouraged me he's like you know you have talent you, you can do this and so he encouraged me. And so it, when the book was finished, I decided to find a publish a, uh, well, first I found an editor 
And then uh, I wanted to be traditionally published. So I had a connection uh, with a publisher through my aunt and uncle in North Carolina. They read my manuscript and fell in love with it. And I was published overnight. Oh, very so cool. That was very cool. So what was the date then? You said it took you six, six years to write, five or six years to write it. And then I imagine some time passed while it was going through editing and publishing. Yeah. So when, when was the book published for? for so you? edition one was, oh my gosh, 2015, edition okay. one. And then I released, the, the publisher went under and I did not have very good ties with the publisher. A lot of these small companies, you know, are, they're, it, it's not what it used to be when it comes to right. publishing. So I got my rights back and decided to self-publish. And then in 2018, I added another chapter. It's called, and the journey goes on. And it's all the things that have happened since the book came out. And let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about that. So what, what has, what, what, give us a spoiler on that chapter. So I am a part of, a, I co-lead a mental health support group at my church, something that I had always, I'm Catholic, and there's a lack of, of that type of support here in Las Vegas. I can't speak for other cities. So I found a psychologist and we began a, a small support group. So that had come out of it. A lot of podcasts have come out of it. I began blogging for Bipolar Hope magazine, which I still blog for. And it's just a really uh, neat platform. Connect with people around the world. So that that's time consuming. Um, continuing to work. I've worked at the school that I mentioned at the beginning for 14 years now. And uh, people are like, well, when are you writing your second book? We can't wait for it. It's like, yeah, in all my free time, yeah. <laughs> I'll just sit, sit down and uh, write it for you. And then since the book has come out, I had a ch I started to speak. I don't know if you know what Toastmasters International is. I'm a Toastmaster, yeah. So <laughs> I got over, I had a big anxiety and fear of public speaking. So I had to conquer that. I, it was so bad that I would make a beeline for the bathroom. Yeah. Um, I'd be up the night before. I just was a hot, you could see my like my hand shaking <laughs> in yeah. front of people. And but I continued, and I began speaking and sharing my story here in Las Vegas at author events, book clubs, Bible studies, and all of a sudden I had this crazy dream that I wanted to be a TEDx speaker. And my past. Postmaster president ended up bringing a TEDx here to Las Vegas. And it was canceled because of the pandemic and rescheduled two times. Okay. <laughs> so, so I prepared for this talk. Everything had to be memorized. And for having bipolar disorder, memorization is very hard. So I spent 14 months memorizing and putting everything that I had into the talk. And finally, this past January, I got my chance. And uh, yeah, I rocked the TEDx stage and I couldn't be happier with the talk. 
Yeah, yeah, and I wa- and I watched the video, and it was I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it was exciting to see you because I mean I hadn't fully heard you know obviously getting more into your story today, but just having our initial conversations, and when you had mentioned TED Talk, I always think that's such a great thing, especially with folks that have been through something and and need to get their message out there, uh, especially mental health because. I think so many suffer, but they suffer in silence because they don't want to either accept it or they, they're still afraid of that, what stigma might attach to that. So I was excited yeah. to, that you were on the stage and, and, and get in it. Put so everything we'll make, out there. Thank you for your comment. I did read that. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah, and, and, and I'm also and, hoping to continue my story um, by joining National Alliance on Mental Illness okay. and just hoping to speak and I think it's time to do some volunteering and all my yeah. free time. Right. You gotta find the free time. I'll find some time and find time for, for things that matter in life. That's for sure. And we'll definitely, and I just want to mention for anybody listening, um, all the links and, and, and different things will be in the description below. So if you're hearing us talk about this, uh, Ted talk and you're like, where can I see it? We'll have that link for you. So don't, uh, don't worry at all. So you, you kind of, so my next, uh, the, the next question that was formulated in my mind is what the future holds. And you've mentioned some of that. So you're, you're, we're kind of got this mind melt going on where you're, you, you, you know, my next question, you know, where my mind's at, um, but beyond joining the, the mental health Alliance, what, you know, what does the future hold for you? What, what yeah. are you looking at? Continuing to blog. I would like to travel the world as a inspirational speaker. I get the chance and I'm hoping that one day I will. And definitely another book, um, dealing with aging parents right now. Mm. And I know that it, you know, it's, it can be hard. So I want to be able to talk about not even only having bipolar, but for anybody going through that. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate. And um, I don't want it to be a depressing book. You know, I want it to be like, like the book that I've written, it's got humor. Yeah. It gives hope. Yeah. yeah. What and, and what's life like for you today with with bipolar? Do you still have your good days, your bad days? Are you pretty, you know, pretty uh, level with with everything? Or what 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 is what is that like for you today? Uh, for the most part, I'm pretty even. However, I've had some stressors in my life recently. You know, mom getting sick, and that has set off. Um, triggers, things that my husband has never dealt with before, some mood swings, um, some some depressions. Um, it's been rough, but I returned to therapy for the first time in 14, 15 years mm. and found a really good match. Uh, and the insurance uh, covers her, which that is helps. always very important. <laughs> you know how yeah. expensive uh, therapy can get. So I'm, I'm constantly learning coping skills to have success with, with my illness. And this is probably a question I should have asked earlier on, but uh, it's popping to mind now with, I mean, growing up, so this was more of a genetic thing for you, it sounds like that, mm-hmm. um, but would you say that you had a a pretty normal, happy-go-lucky childhood? That there was, you know, nothing in your past that, that you felt contributed to this, that it was strictly um, hereditary? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very lucky. I think for some people, from what I've read, they'll go through a trauma 
mm-hmm. and that will set set it off for people. But I really did have a golden childhood. But I I remember feeling anxious too mm-hmm. as a child and dealing with separation issues from mom at a very young age. And I had a yeah. hard time when she would go to work and cry a lot and prefer to be with mom over dad because dad was stricter. Yeah, tougher guy, right? Put on the, the <laughs> tough man. And right. I think that's important because, uh, you know, especially later in life, if if someone's going through a mental health crisis and a lot of times, you know, for me, I had enough trauma in, in my past that when I that I've known for a long time that I was depressed and I didn't finally accept it and and, and, and seek treatment until, you know, well into my my 40s. Um, but I think for some people, they, they, they did. There's like, they can't pinpoint where does this come from? And I think they find themselves questioning, like, what's wrong with me? And it's really nothing that's wrong with you as much as, you know, like in your case, it, it was something that was passed down. It was part of your genetics and, and, and it manifested itself, but it didn't, uh, it didn't require you to have some major traumatic event in life. It, it, kind of came so sometimes there is no explanation and but that doesn't you know that doesn't mean you you can't work through it so i think that's uh that's important i i i i wanted to this i had a feeling that you know you're you're, you're you probably had a pretty good upbringing and, and this still happens to uh people without trauma or you know major trauma as i talk in my ted TED talk, it, it can happen against every, you know, this happens to every race, religion, class, and country, people mm-hmm. around the world. Um, I didn't mention, but I'm also now a stability leader for a network um, or a nonprofit organization called the Stability um, Network. And uh, it's it's neat because I met people from around the world and yeah. people deal with this differently in, in different countries. And you want to talk about stigma, people can't even talk about it in other parts of the world. Right. So I feel really blessed to be able to be here to to share my story in, in the United States. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and that brings up a good point and it's kind of got my mind thinking is that I would imagine there's parts of this world where if you have depression, bipolar, if you have any sort of mental health related um issues it's you know who i mean it could very well be a death sentence to some folks i don't know that for a fact but you know knowing how some of the the countries uh in the world are i I, you know for you know just even around beliefs i could imagine because it wasn't too very long ago in our country that you know if you had bipolar they you know you were in the hospital and Mm -hmm. you weren't getting out and they were performing experiments and all that stuff and that you know, that's less than a hundred years ago. But so if anybody's listening to this episode and they say, I want to get in touch with Susan, I want to see what she's doing. I, I you know, she, they, they just, they, they, they want to um, find you in any capacity, uh, social media websites. What, 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 what are all the different avenues that you have beyond the book and the Ted talk for folks yeah. to reach out? The easiest to find all of them is on my author website, which is www.sjohnsonauthor.com. And that has all the links. Um, I'm active on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. 
and Instagram. Those are the two platforms that you'll find me on. And there's links for both of those, along okay. with an opportunity to buy my book from me personally or on Amazon. Okay. Those are yeah, the best places to get the book. I mean, this is what it looks like. I had a friend do the artwork, so I was yeah. all fired up about it. This it's is great. a watercolor. Oh, really? Wow, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll have the link and everything uh, in the description below. But how about another TED Talk? You got one of those kind of stirring around in that mind? or I had a, a co-worker uh, ask me about that yesterday, and I looked at him, and I was like, really? I was like, <laughs> you can't pay me for another, <laughs> I mean, because that set off all the bipolar symptoms. Yeah. Going through that process, I actually wrote a new chapter um, that I'm thinking about maybe doing a third edition of the book um, and including TED TED Talks and, and I wrote a whole chapter. I mean, it was a nightmare, you know, living with the anxiety, the mood swings. My poor husband, he's a saint. <laughs> I mean, like I was so mad at my practice one day, like I, I cut the steering wheel a little sharp and there's like TEDx bumps okay. in, like, in our cars. So that's like how seriously I took, I took my message and my talk yeah. and I would not put myself through that again or my husband no i think well, one, one is enough yeah i was gonna say you've got the one out there and you've got your message out there so that's that's kudos and uh, you know congratulations on, on nice. getting that out there i, I think it's it, it'll help a lot of people because uh something like you know with bipolar depression really that's sometimes uh, you know at least people that i've talked to is they just they don't want to feel quote unquote crazy and they don't want to feel alone. And sometimes it's easy to get caught up in that world of thinking that you're the only one going through what you're going through. But it's, it's, there's a lot of us out here that, that have survived it <clears throat> and are still, you know, flourishing. So, well, you've got, a, you definitely have a great story. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those to where as, as I consume it, it's one where, you know, you've been able to live your dreams and do the things that you want to do, despite the, 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 you know, the bipolar, you've been able to, to, to push forward and persevere. And so that gives me a lot of inspiration. Um, you know, if you can do it, then anybody can right. do it type thing. And that's the whole premise of conquering Everest as you've, you've climbed that mountain. You've, you've, we just need to follow your steps now. So. <laughs> and I want to say like everybody, you'll continually, Climb another mountain. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Throughout throughout this life journey that we have, and it's yeah. how do you how I'm gonna choose to deal with it. Yeah, and finding the right people like you know you've you found counselors and therapists that, that have been there to be able to push push you um, through and forward. So, uh, and that's a, I think that's a vital piece for anybody listening. Is make oh, sure I you agree. surround um, yourself I, with good people. I have a huge support network. Yeah, absolutely huge. But I, I work hard at. At building it, whether it's Toastmasters or church or mm -hmm. you know, friends from school or all those types of things. For sure. Well, Susan, I thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your story and being vulnerable. And I have no doubts that um, good, good things lie ahead for you and the work you're doing is going to make, uh, make a difference in many lives. So thank you so much for being on. Well, it's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you for letting me come and talk about bipolar disorder and helping break stigma today. 
there you go. My conversation with Susan Johnson. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. So please, if you have an opportunity to uh, leave a comment, uh, whether it be social media, on your podcast platform of choice, or if you want to download the Podbean podcast app, you can leave a message directly on uh, this podcast through that app. App. So love to hear from you. Would love to get your feedback and certainly show Susan some love. Check out her links, which we've included in the in the description below. Uh, check out her website and make sure you check out her TED Talk and her book. That is going to do it for today's episode. Don't forget, hit that follow and or subscribe button. And that way you will be notified when the next episode is uploaded. I've had a little bit, you know, these last couple of weeks have been pretty interesting for me and uh, quite busy. So uh, this this episode's not actually dropping on uh, Wednesday, uh, which is my preferred day to drop new episodes. Uh, it's actually going to be going up on a Monday. Uh, so we will have another episode this Wednesday. So anyways, the moral of the story, follow, subscribe, be a part of the Conquering Everest community. Until next time, remember to aim high, be courageous, and go do amazing things. <laughs>